Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're discussing a book called Asterion by Alessa Thorne. It's the first book in her series, The Court of the Underworld. Um, This book is based on Greek mythology, so we're going to briefly kind of preface the myths that this book is based on, and then I'll jump into our characters and Vicki will take over with our plot. So this book is based on the myth of the Minotaur. Um, In the original myth, Minos, who had just become the ruler of Crete, asked Poseidon to send him a snow-white bull as a sign of the god's favor. And Minos was meant to sacrifice this bull to honor Poseidon. However, the bull was so beautiful that Minos decided to keep it and sacrificed another bull in its stead, which obviously Poseidon didn't appreciate that. And so he cursed Minos's wife to fall in love with the bull, which she then had sex with and that resulted in the creation of the Minotaur. Minos commissioned Daedalus to create a labyrinth to house the Minotaur. And then from this, we get the myth of Theseus and Ariadne, where Ariadne, who was Minos's daughter, falls in love with Theseus and guides him through the labyrinth where he kills the Minotaur and uses a line of string that she has given him to guide his way out. So we have a bunch of new characters to discuss and locations. So we'll start with our locations. This book is set in Styx, which is a new city that was rebuilt from the rubble that formerly was Corinth in Greece. So Corinth and much of Greece has fallen due to an economic collapse. We come to the temple, which is a training facility for Greece's deadliest assassins, which is run by Minos. And we go to Knossos in in Crete, where Asterion was found by Hades in the original labyrinth. We meet Ariadne. Her codename is Spindle. She was orphaned as a child and raised in the temple by Minos to become a super awesome assassin. And she is determined to avenge the death of her sister, Leah. Minos, Keros is to the public seen as a philanthropist who runs an orphanage for girls. He's actually Ariadne's handler and mentor who likes to think of himself as a father figure to her and his acolytes. And he created and runs the temple where they are trained to become assassins. We meet the court of the underworld who is led by Hades, who rescued all of the rest of its current members after Zeus was overthrown. So, Let's start with Hades. He's the lord of the underworld and the leader of the new Styx, which he rebuilt after Greece's economic collapse. He's described as appearing in his early 40s with dark gray hair or dark hair that's graying at the temples. Uh, we have Asterion Dis, who is that Minotaur. He is the owner of the nightclub, which also serves as an underground fighting club and is home to an actual labyrinth. He's described as being tall, olive-skinned, with shoulder-length, sun-kissed, dark hair. 
we meet Medusa, who is that Gorgon. She's Hades media manager and the CEO of Serpentine Industries. She's described as having brilliant green eyes and fiery red hair. We meet the triplets who are all described as having black eyes. So as part of that, we have Charon, who is the ferryman. We have Erebus, who is the personification of darkness and, sh and shadows, and Thanatos, who is the personification of death. Also as part of this, we have Theseus and Vin, who are Assyrian's bodyguards. Vin is pretty cool. Theseus is a sexist prick. And then we have Pethos, which is a group of extremists who call themselves monster hunters and are displeased by the reappearance of Greek deities, the court of the underworld, period. Vicki, do you want to pick up with our plot? Yes. So our book opens with our main heroine, Ariadne, killing a man for abusing and raping his wife. She cleverly gets away and heads to her home city of Styx. We learned that about 20 years before this book, Greece was involved in a civil war, which resulted in the destruction of many cities, as well as the collapse of the economy. After the civil war, Hades arrived and rebuilt the city of Corinth, now renamed Styx. We also learned that other mythical beings have returned. The next day, Ariadne goes to the temple. Despite its name, it's not a place of religion, but rather the training ground for Greece's deadliest female assassins. Those unaware of its true purpose believe that it is a finishing school for underprivileged girls run by Minos. However, Minos is not the philanthropist he masquerades as. He keeps a tab for all the girls' expenses and they must pay it back. By the end of their training, they are often heavily indebted to him. Ariadne is his best assassin. He pretends to be a father figure. While Ariadne calls him Potter, she does not care for him and blame him, blames him for her sister's death. Ariadne returns to her apartment and finds a package waiting for her. When she opens the package, she finds a smartphone with a pin code and a piece of paper. This turns out to be from a group, group named Pithos, and they are willing to pay her 5 million drachma if she will complete a contract. They send her a computer with the information of the target on it, Asterion. They tell her that he runs a nightclub that has an illegal gladiatorial fighting pit underneath it. At first, she is not interested in accepting the contract, but when Pithos tells her that they have information on Minos that can help take him down, she agrees. Ariadne begins to follow Asterion, and they have a meet-cute. He gives her a card to his club called the Labyrinth. Asterion spends quite a bit of time thinking about Ariadne over the next few days to the point of considering if he should send someone to find her. However, on the third day, she shows up to the Labyrinth. They begin to talk, and eventually the underground fighting pit comes up. Asterion says he might show her. When she is coming back from the bathroom, she is cornered by another man and told that Asterion is a monster. She brushes this off and returns to Asterion. Asterion takes her to the underground fighting pit, which turns out to be way more than just a pit, but basically an entire arena. There's also a literal labyrinth that is full of traps that people need to navigate. It is often deadly. After some intense sexual tension, they retire to his bedroom and enjoy each other's company. When he falls asleep, Ariadne strangles him to death. However, his body changes in front of her. His head now looks like a bull's head, and his body grows at least a foot taller. Naturally, she runs. When Asterion is back to his human form, he starts tracking Ariadne down. Six weeks pass, and we find out that she is hiding at a beach town, working in a gelato store, and isn't too far from Styx. She is saving money to get out of Greece. 
Hysterion finds her before Minos does and asks her to explain herself. The interrogation is interrupted by them getting shot at. Thanks to Ariadne's skill, they are able to escape and they return to Styx. Hysterion decides to keep her in his apartment for reasons. <laughs> they get to know each other a bit better. Hysterion tells her about what it is like being the Minotaur from the myth. The next day, Ariadne wakes up to see that she is surrounded by men. They turn out to be part of the court of the underworld. Erebus, Charon, Thanatos, and Hades. She thinks she is about to be killed, but Hades says that he won't kill her if she helps him find Pethos and the mole and Asterion's crew. He also recommends that in order to gain Asterion's trust back, she should compete in the Labyrinth Challenge. Hades mentions that if she survives, he would like her on his payroll. Ariadne does amazing in the Labyrinth. However, she is grazed by a poison dart. Asterion takes care of her while the poison is working its way out of her system. She hallucinates and reveals what happens to Leah. Ariadne was tricked into killing her by Minos during her final assassin challenge. After she wakes, wakes up, she and Asterion speak with Medusa about the laptop. Medusa was able to find a location that Pethos might be at. Ariadne states she will go and set up some surveillance at the property. Asterion is not on board with sending Ariadne, so with Medusa's help, she sneaks out and does it anyway. When she returns, she finds Asterion in his Minotaur form, but is able to calm him down. They enjoy each other's company again. The next day, they go through the surveillance footage. They observe nine men going into the building and coming up with, and they come up with a plan to take them out. However, it turns out to be a trap and they are ambushed. Ariadne is kidnapped. What happens? Is she saved? Does she save herself? Does she finally get revenge on Minos? You'll have to read the book or keep listening. From here on out, there will be spoilers. So if you want to find those answers yourself, you can stop here or you can, or if you like spoilers, you can keep on listening. Yeah. I like how we're calling sex, enjoying the <laughs> other person's company. <laughs> well, we're not doing it after dark. <laughs> so we can't talk about sex at all? I didn't want to get flagged. <laughs> like, they get flagged sometimes. So if we get flagged, it'll get taken down and we'll have to go through this thing of getting it reinstated. If you say the word sex? Somebody might flag it. So I wanted to avoid that. So we can't talk about sex in this episode? I don't know. I I was just avoiding it so that it didn't happen because I, I looked it up and I was like, what counts as an explicit episode? And it's like any cursing, right? Mm -hmm. And like discussion of sex. So I was like, well, let's not get flagged. So we forgot when we selected this book how sexy it was. So here's your After Dark warning. We're going to talk about sex because this book is real spicy and probably like a significant amount of this book is devoted to sex. So here's your, here's your after dark warning. <laughs> We're talking about sex. There's probably going to be cursing. Listen appropriately. You, you do you, boo. You do you. <laughs> All right, good, because this is some real steamy scenes. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I was reading it, and I was, like, clutching my pearls a little bit. It's like, <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> well, remember, I texted you and said, oh, this book is, yeah, like, steamy. You, and, and you were like, oh, I'm just, 
you're like, oh, I'm starting it now. And then, I don't know, a couple hours later, I get the text from you being like, I forgot how much sex there was in this. Yeah. I mean, it was a nice surprise after not having, we read these books, like these books last fall. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I just, with all of the other stuff that we've read, I forgot how sexy things got in this book, but it was a nice, it was a nice surprise. <laughs> okay. So how, so you liked this book, right? Oh yeah. I love this book of, so there are seven books in this series and this one is probably one of my favorites. I really enjoyed this one. You liked it too, right? Yes. This is definitely one of my favorites. I think either this one, Hermes or Hades in the series. Yeah. I can't decide between them, but yeah. Same. I love Hermes book, but also I'm, I'm such a sucker for like the Hades Persephone like story. I, pretty nearly every version of that that I've run into like I love this <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but it, I mean it was just a, it was a really good it, I really enjoyed the story it moved quickly um and the, the main characters are just so just fantastic like Ariadne is awesome Asterion for being a, a minotaur who was trapped under a maze for you know, like ever is surprisingly understanding of her motivations for wanting to kill him, which I love. Like, he's just such a sweet, you know, little half bull, half man person. He is. And then he's also talking about how sweet he is. He was super into consent in yes. this book, which, which is, is great. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Always giving her the option. Tell yes. me if you want, I'll stop. Yes. Multiple times. Like even yep. right before they're about to have sex, he's like, this stops whenever you want. And she's like, I don't, but I was just, Oh, this consent is sexy. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Uh, her um, handler Minos is such a, an asshole. He is. And that whole like charging them, you yeah know, for stuff that's basically student debt yeah for stuff and like they can't control that because he takes them in when they're kids mm-hmm. it's such a mm. yeah I mean it's obviously a ripoff he's just using that as a way to keep them in his debt so he never has to let them go unless they die or like I don't know blow him and then I, I don't know I guess that maybe works off some of your debt but I mean that's really obvious like there's no it wouldn't matter how many contracts she took or how many people she'd killed like there would never be she wouldn't ever like actually pay off her debt until he was finished with her right it's a ruse it is and then that really disgusting like oh like calls her like acts like he's her dad sort of thing but clearly is like Perv. Oh, yeah. It was really Clearly a pervert. That gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he's terrible. Also, when she reveals that they start, as soon as they start having periods, they start going to like the local brothel to learn how to seduce men. Blah. Yes. It's disgusting. Pervert. I wish that he had suffered more when he died. I know. Me too. That's the only, like, he needed, he needed to suffer more. At least he was, like, awake for his death, though. He knew yeah. what was happening. Yeah. You know? So. Not something quick and painless while he's asleep. Right. Surrounded by all the girls that yeah. he thought. Did he, you think he was, like, delusional and thought that they liked him? Maybe. 
maybe he did kind of lull himself into this like well and it's not it's not completely a delusion because um what's her name is it lynx or belladonna they're like when they attack asterion and ariadne they are like they're they're like trash talking her for betraying their father so i don't think it was completely a uh delusion because like he had people who were loyal to him who also died which was also very satisfying mm-hmm. i like her method of uh killing her people though you mm-hmm. know she strangles them and then she ties them up using the cat's cradle uh-huh right and yeah. then leaves that like her calling card yeah i think that's awesome yeah love it and it's what she's got like a, it's a bracelet Mm-hmm. that she ends up using to strangle them. I like how capable she, like everything that she does, all of her plan, like it's clear why she has the reputation that she does is like, she's the most renowned assassin in the area. It's clear why she's extremely good at what she does. Mm-hmm. I, their meet cute is so funny. Oh, she yeah. walks right into him. And then Theseus is such a dr- dick about it. Yeah. Right. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, you should watch where you're going. And Assyrian just helps her up and is like, yeah, it's okay. Here's he's my just tongue. a nice, decent person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, we talked about this before. You get props for being a decent person. Yeah. I, like, no. But compared to, I guess, the people around him. Yeah. It was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, and then she flexes. And then I like from his point of view, right? And he was like, and then she had the... What did he say? The, like, audacity to uh, flirt with me. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was funny. And then yeah. it's just stuck in his mind. Yes. And I like that. Like, he he's, like, trying to give her advice on being safe in a sketchy neighborhood. Like, situational awareness is important. You probably shouldn't wear your headphones while you're walking in this area. <laughs> and then later he's like, I thought about going to the gym, but just to make sure that she made it there. Okay. Like, Mm-hmm. okay thanks for being a nice person I feel like well, that's going above being just decent I mean or kind of stalkery is it stalkery to be concerned if someone makes it to the place that they're going when they're in a suspicious area I mean if you've just met them mm. I would be like oh I mean you know actually if it was like a really hot guy I'd be like no that's fine go right yeah. ahead yes but- yeah in other situations, I'd right. be like, okay, you met somebody briefly for like two minutes and now they're okay. checking, you right. know? I can see how that, yeah, yeah. So if you met an uggo on the street uh, <laughs> and they checked up on you, it's not okay. But if they look good, because attractive people aren't ever serial murderers. <laughs> no, that wasn't my point. I'm saying I wouldn't, <laughs> you know what, fine. <laughs> I'd let a he didn't, he didn't person actually go me. check on her. It's not stalking. He was just concerned for her safety. Yes. I guess the fact that he thought of it was nice. The fact yes. that he didn't do it was smart. Yes. Because that would be stalkery. We're drawing some fine lines here. <laughs> and that's one of them. So we get told what his scent is. And yeah. he, is, he smells like spice and wood. Spice and wood. So that's what I imagine, like, a lumberjack would smell like. Oh, yeah. 
That's the. That's the I bet lumberjacks smell nice at the beginning of the day before they go out and chop all the wood. Yeah. And yeah, I was wondering too what spice, like paprika, curry, no, <laughs> curry. <laughs> what spice? Nutmeg, just some, like, <laughs> some light cinnamon scent there. You know how we were talking once before about feminine smells versus like masculine smells and how there really shouldn't be like masculine or feminine ones. I would think like nutmeg and cinnamon would fall into that like feminine scent. Well, what are masculine spices? <laughs> pepper. <laughs> pepper. Red pepper. <laughs> just pepper, just a lot of pepper. Um, Cumin. <laughs> Yep, basically. <laughs> um, or those rubs, you know, you buy those rubs for steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he smells like steak rub. <laughs> yeah. We should we should write a book where we <laughs> about yeah, start classifying spices based on gender. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, that's better than, like, gasoline. He smells like gasoline and concrete. Okay. Unless, so, um, you have somebody that, you know, you grew up with the scent of gasoline. It doesn't Mm -hmm. smell bad to you. Because, you know, my dad's a mechanic. And so Mm -hmm. it's actually diesel. Diesel, I think, smells so good. Interesting. Isn't that funny? I mean, it reminds me of my dad. So I'm like, comforting, like, smell to me, you know. Huh. I've never thought of that before, but that is a really good point. I feel like every author we read devotes a specific scent to the to the characters and kind of poke fun on it. But those those scent memories do evoke like they evoke strong feelings a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Whenever I hear one of the characters smells like pine, I think mm-hmm. of Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, so the way that she like seduces him. So uh, just going back to Ariadne's cleverness that like the whole seduction scene when she sh- shows up at his club. I love that. I love that she wore red mm-hmm. and he makes a comment about that. And he was like, she had to wear that color because red yeah. and gold, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like, oh. And that was on, unco- like, I don't think she wore that. She wasn't aware that he was like an actual minotaur at that point. So that was almost coincidental. Right. But just feed sort of the attraction that they have pulling her towards him. And then, yeah. The only problem I had during their, like, when they met up um, at the club, right, is that she's like, oh, thanks for getting all those guys away from me. And he says, what did you expect when you wear a dress like that? And I was like, ah. <laughs> A little cringy. Yeah, not not a fan of that. Yeah. Um, but that was. Oh, right. he moved on very well from that. And he did, yeah. I feel like of all of the males in this book, he is not, well, not all of them, but like all of his guards, Asterion's not underestimating her, but everyone else around him is. It's, I don't know. Really frustrating. Wait, you think Asterion's not underestimating her and the guards are? I think the guards are 100%. I think when she says that she's capable of protecting herself and taking care of herself, he's not underestimating that. Right. I think the guards are the ones who later on are, well, after she kills him, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to keep her away from him. And of course, he's like. "Hmm." Yeah. Sort of. But like even, 
when they show up to bring her. So like when they find her, even when they find her um, in Isthmia, I think is where it is. Like she knocks three of them out with her wedge heels. Like I love that. I love that. But like, it's like she KOs everyone that he sends after her. Like I, I don't think that they like, I think that they're, they under, even though they recognize that she's a threat because she killed him, they're still not recognizing her for the threat that she Mm -hmm. really is. And then when she does the labyrinth, they're betting against her. Yeah. They're betting against her. They're jeering at her. They're like, then is the, uh, yeah. I mean, they're still underestimating how capable she is. And then she breezes through it. Like she's laughing at one point. She's smiling. She like doing Mm -hmm. some sun sows before rocking (laughs) crossfire. Like, yeah, I think they recognize her as a threat because she killed Asterion, but they're still not giving her, I don't know if it's the respect or like credence or I don't think that, I don't think that they see her for how threatening she really is. So uh, let's talk about sex. Yes. So it starts out pretty early and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm like the 40 pages in I think he's like so they go to like the 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 labyrinth the fighting ring or whatever and they're like heavily making out in public which I am assuming that they're in his box so people can't really see them and I've never really been excited by the idea of like public fingering but it's really hot <laughs> in this scene it is it is. And that's one of the scenes, too, where he says, you know, if you want me to stop, let me know. Mm-hmm. And she does not ask him to stop. Yeah. The, you know what it reminds me of a little bit? Um, that scene in Agamoff, mm-hmm. where... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Where they're at the Court of Nightmares. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminded me a bit of that. But this was hotter. And then from there, they go up or go down, I guess, not up because he doesn't feel comfortable living on the top floor of a building. They go down. Bless him. I feel so bad for him. The trauma of being kept underground in a labyrinth for centuries. Yeah. He's surprisingly sweet for someone who endured so much. I know, especially because, you know, the myth that he's based on is so brutal. It is really brutal. Um. I guess. And he's had, I guess, what, 20 years? I mean, so assuming this happened 20 years ago that he was pulled out, I mean, he's really only had like 20 years to cope with this. Yeah, to start processing. And he says that he was feral when he was first released. But to go from that to where he is, I mean, he's a businessman now. Mm-hmm. He said he mentions that Hades was a huge help to him. Mm-hmm. Gotta love us in Hades. Yeah, I know. I wish he would just like, like I want to be friends with all the people in this book. Right? Me too. They're Me all too. just so great. <laughs> I, I love the um, interactions with like the court of the underworld, you know, the um, three of them and being like, oh, I'm in love with her, you know, and I see yes. just like growling at them. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. And uh, Medusa, like immediately offering her a job. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's really, they just, they're so fun. I want, but, can they fix our world? Can they? I know. Please come save us. Please save us. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this part where um, 
Asterian thinks the combination of feminine sweat, blood, endorphins, and adrenaline made me want to roll in her like a clover patch. <laughs> and it just, it made me think of my dog when she like rubs her head into where she keeps all her dead stuff when she catches them, <laughs> like getting the scent on her, you know, and they roll over on their back. Mm-hmm. It just it gave me this like hilarious image in my head of a bull you know like yeah <laughs> not just any bull. half bull half yeah, man yeah <laughs> rolling <laughs> <laughs> on their back like on his yeah. back I'm just like a pile of clothes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it would be <laughs> it would be on the bed in a pile of her clothes yeah yeah this is another um book where we have the mark fighting for a mark yeah um, I wish that we had ex- so she they mentioned it a couple of times mm-hmm. I don't go into a whole lot of detail about it though yeah and this one yeah they don't go into it as much but Hades is the one who tells Ariadne and then she asks Medusa like can you see this even though it's mostly gone and it's now a bruise mm-hmm. and is like oh it's like a beacon to everyone in the supernatural world and Asterion's just like this is this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Because <laughs> I don't think he really meant to. No, I don't think he did. It's it's one of those situations. So we have another situation where there's a person who's not just a person. It's a person with a separate being living within them. And there's this conflict um, sort of between the two. And I think he says, like, his bull is the one that marked her. Like, mm-hmm. almost like these beings are fighting for like him versus his bull yeah getting them to be on the same page mm-hmm. there uh, it, there is a mention of struggle between Asterion and the bull where Asterion's like trying to be like okay she can go she can handle herself and the bull is like no protect her she's <laughs> mine like <laughs> I love your bull voice that was great <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was good. Worked very hard be- on it. <laughs> I believed in the bull. Yeah. Maybe I should be a voice actor. You should. I think it's interesting when they do finally have sex. So uh, Ariadne has this really difficult time, like, acknowledging that she's going to have to kill this person. But, like, this is the first time she's ever been, like, genuinely attracted to someone. And so it's really sad for her that she's going to have ki- to kill him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, because she doesn't usually have, I mean, she, like, it's a job for her. So she doesn't really have feelings about killing people. It's the first time she's run into a situation where she's had to take someone out and actually liked them. And so when they do finally have sex, she chooses like a rear entry position with him behind her. And I think that's a really, I mean, that's like, that's just one of those ways that she's trying to separate herself from the fondness or the attachment that she already feels for him after knowing him for so little amount of time because it's more impersonal right you're not looking the person in the face right and he really liked that position he was like "Mm." yeah well it's a more I like that's I guess probably more of a position of submission for him which his his beast Mm -hmm. would appreciate yeah yeah that was a good scene and then she drugged him at some point because then he fell asleep and then I felt that she apologizes to him yeah 
She's like, I'm sorry. It was really bad. And like, she doesn't want to kill, like, she doesn't want to kill him. Yeah. It must be really hard for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, when, could you imagine just like, then, kill, okay, so killing somebody and then them turning into like, a, <laughs> a bull? bull? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, she has the right reaction and runs away. Yeah. Sure, that's that's what you do. Uh, yes, if someone changes form. <laughs> I knew you were a beast in bed, but taking it too far. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Okay, I, I would probably run. Although I might be curious. Or pass kind of out from fear. <laughs> no, I think that would definitely trigger my fight or play. I would run. Mm. I would get out of there. And then we find out that she actually did kill him. Like, he was dead dead, and Thanatos had to bring him back, get his shade, stuff it back in his body. Yeah. So, she did technically complete that. um, Right. They should, that, that he should have given her her money, those filthy swindlers. Mm Mm-hmm. When Minos finds out that she takes, that she took a private contract, he's furious mm-hmm. and is like when you find her you bring her to me uh and Syrian's like no no <laughs> no I'm, I'm not gonna I'm, do that <laughs> yeah he's like I'm no and then he conveniently keeps her in his apartment yeah <laughs> I wonder why yeah I like how you know I like how for someone who was kept underground forever and has experienced all of this trauma, he's very willing to understand her point of view. Yes. He's very, um, I feel like he's, instead of just reacting with fury at someone trying to kill him, he's very understanding. Yeah. And he tries to, I mean, he actually like listens to her reasoning and she, and she, I feel like she, response well in this situation too like it's really obvious that she because she apologized before she killed him like it's really obvious that she did that wasn't something that she wanted to go through with and so I like that he doesn't unlike some of the other male characters that we've read about who would just respond with fury he's like he tries to understand her situation mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I mean and he can I mean he probably can relate to it because I mean if he was given you know, if he had to kill somebody in order to get out of the labyrinth that he was in, he probably would have, right? Mm-hmm. So he probably, you know, was like, oh, in that situation, I may have done the same thing, mm-hmm. really. Because to get away from Minos, he's, yeah. he was awful. Right. And I also like that he, there were multiple times where it was referenced where it's like, she gets to kill him sort of thing that's her revenge that's her kill Mm -hmm. so one of the things that I do like and again it just goes into how fantastic Ariadne is at being an assassin when Asterion tracks her down and he like she's trying to escape um but she's staying in a hotel and he's like in the hotel with her trying to understand what's going on what her motivations were and she's explaining things they get attacked by uh, like Pethos's people and she like rolls him off of the bed and lands on top of him and is protecting him with her body this magical creature and covering his head with her body mm-hmm. I love that like it's I don't know I just love that scene like she's so protective of him I know and then she gets all of them with headshots 
Yeah. This is why the court of the underworld loves her. Yeah. She's such a badass. She's a badass. She's so, mm-hmm. she's so good at her job. Like, yes. <laughs> There's another funny part. So they're trying to get into the laptop that Pethos had sent to her. Yeah. And they're trying to crack it and they're like, what's the password? And she gives them like a joke password and they're like, no, seriously, what is it? And she's like, it's password. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was funny. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of counterintuitive to her character though. You would expect like a, a famous assassin to have a, a better, like to be better at internet or online safety. But I mean, most people would never have guessed that it's right. Everyone would think you know? it would be the opposite of that. So maybe right. it is just really clever. I don't know. It also made me think of Archer. You watch oh, that, yeah. yeah. And there, uh, somebody's like, "Oh, what's the password?" And it's just guessed. Yeah, <laughs> they hack into like. Yeah, this- <laughs> that's right. I forgot about that. But yeah. <laughs> Hades gives out such daddy vibes. I love him. Oh yeah. When he first meets um, Ariadne, I think, doesn't he get in her head? Like, Yeah, yeah, he's like, like, he talks about her feeling like she's not worthy of his love. And it's like, okay, we've got a little matchmaker over here. Mm -hmm. And everyone, like, otherwise everyone's scared of, sort of scared of him. Uh And she talks back to him and will add, like, my lord Uh (laughs) afterwards. Yes. I I don't want to push my luck. Right. Better call him my lord. Yep. Let's add some deference to this. Not too much, but she has no fear. I think no. She's so like sassy. Every like even when she's being tortured, she's still like snarky as hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she is. Mm -hmm. I mean that carries through throughout all of the Core of the Underworld series too. And she always just jumps right into these fights. She's like, yes, fight. Yeah. Her, not escape, but her going through the labyrinth. I loved that so much. Mm-hmm. And she just blows everyone away. Mm-hmm. You know, Asterion's like freaking out because he doesn't want her to, you know, die. Right. And Hades and the rest of the court of the underworld are just like, I mean, they're not eating popcorn, but it, like, you know, they're like yeah. eating popcorn watching. Erebus is like, I'm aroused. Yes. <laughs> And she finds like all these tricks. Somebody says like, you cheated. And she's like, no, I didn't cheat. Just, you know, you're just mad. You didn't think of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. When she, so she uses like a spear to dismantle the swinging pendulums, whatever. And they're like, well, you didn't do it right. She's like, I did it better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And when she's doing it, she's thinking about how her, when she was trained by Minos and everything, like this was nothing compared to that. Um, but also, so she gets to the middle where there are three men that she needs to fight, mm-hmm. right? And she doesn't, does she, yes, yeah, she kills them. Never mind. What am I thinking of? Because they're Hades guys that are in the, the three people that she encounters in the labyrinth. They're Hades dudes. And I mean, she takes them out like it's nothing. And he's like, I'm thinking I need to get better people. Really, the quality of the people that they're having guard them is pretty shoddy. Yeah. In my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And they're also jerks. I mean, who threatens to kiss her or something? He's like, oh, kiss Theseus. 
Theseus doesn't oh god Theseus right she threatens him with like a punch to the balls I think yeah oh so Theseus is an asshole yeah Theseus sucks Mm -hmm. he's a bad friend too yeah he uses their friendship as like emotional blackmail with Asterion I feel like like even when he so Asterion gets mad at Ariadne at one point because she leaves without telling him she's going and he goes to the gym to try to work off and um, I think Theseus calls her like a manipulative bitch or something. Mm-hmm. And Asterion like attacks him. Mm-hmm. And Theseus yeah. is like, why are you so defensive? And, and I like what he says. He's like, first of all, don't talk about her that way. But second of all, don't talk about any women that way. Yep. I love that. Like Asterion's just so great. <laughs> But then the next day he goes up and he's the first one to apologize to Theseus for attacking him. It's like, you don't apologize. You don't need to be sorry. I don't feel like he needs to be sorry or the first one to say that he's sorry. But it seems like um, Theseus uses that, their friendship. They've been friends for three years just to kind of emotionally blackmail him. Yeah. I also think, I mean, how heartless can you be to be friends with somebody for three years and especially somebody like Asterion who's a sweetheart mm-hmm. and not form any sort of attachment like that in terms of loyalty and just give him up so quickly yeah like I mean like I know he was sent in basically as a spy by yeah. Pethos but at the same time I mean Asterion's he awesome he's so someone. sweet yeah, yeah he spent three years Getting to know Asterion, I don't know, heartless. Yeah. But we also learned that Theseus is, so for Theseus to be this salty, like he talks about everything that was taken away from him. And Ariadne's like, if you're this upset about the things that were taken away from you, you were in like the top 10% of people with like, who are affluent and had money and things like that. So really... Like, because everyone at that point was suffering, right? Mm -hmm. Economic collapse had affected them. Her parents were both working two jobs to keep her, like, fed. So for him to be this upset, and she talks about this, she's like, it must be hard, you know, going from being a spoiled brat to actually experiencing what everyone else was already going through. Yeah. It's the epitome of, like, epitome. It's like the epitome of like privilege right you know? yeah yeah and then you act then the person acts like they're so special because they originally came from this place of privilege mm-hmm. you know and they're more bitter yeah so i guess with that kind of hate i guess you can hold on to it right that mm-hmm. self-righteous like they took from me even mm-hmm. though everyone else was suffering like mm-hmm. They'll, they don't care until it happens to them. Exactly. We talked, about, yeah. we talked about that sort of thing before, you know, that personality. Of, well, until it happens to them, they're not going to care. And it happens right. Though it's interesting that they blame it on, like, the court of the underworld and these monsters, you know, because mm-hmm. none of it would have happened if not for humans, you know, the civil mm-hmm. war, the economic collapse, that was right. all on humans. And then... Hades came and was like, I'll save you. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But, and Theseus is like, well, we would have bounced back. Like, would you? No. No. Look at history. Look at human history. Yeah. That would not have happened. Oh. You're lucky Hades came to save you. In a lot of the fantasy books or Greek mythology books or just books where we, where we read one of the characters is immortal and one of them's mortal, something always happens where the mortal one becomes immortal, where they have some secret heritage that, you know, comes out, or there's some magic done, something that makes them immortal. And it doesn't happen in this book. I was reading this whole book waiting for, you know, at the end, something to happen where it turns out that she can be immortal and live with Asterion forever. But her mortality is never brought up at all Mm-mm. compared to his immortality. Like, it's just not touched on, which I thought was very interesting. Wouldn't that be really stressful? We I, This comes up a lot, like you said, in some of the books that we read. I feel like that would be a real, a real difficult sort of hurdle to get over in your relationship, knowing that your partner's going to die eventually and you're going to continue on forever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, or somebody will give up their immortality. That's another yeah. way to... Another or they could die. That would probably be really hard for Asterion, considering how re- reckless Ariadne is. I mean, like you said, she just jumps into any fight. So if she, the assassin, is just jumping into any fight, you know, risking her life on top of dying way before he ever will, if he ever will. Like... Mm-hmm. No wonder he wants to treat her with, even though he's very respectful of her desires to work and um, continue to do whatever she wants. Like, it would be really hard, I would think, from his perspective, not to treat her. Especially, sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. Especially after a lifetime of being alone and being feared as this monster, here comes this, you know sexy assassin badass who's like I'm not scared of you or your beast like perfect for him to yeah yeah when also that plus he's got that beast inside of him that's very territorial and wants wants to uh keep her safe and protected at all times and not ever have her in danger mm-hmm. be like fighting with himself constantly Medusa appears in this book. She's like a tech genius. I love the description of her. Um, I like that they've, I like the way that she, that the author found to get away from her, uh, her deadly gaze. She's crafted glasses that will allow her to be out in the world without pet, uh, petrifying everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I love the nerd. Yes. <laughs> So funny. Um, well, in, in very introverted too, I guess. Mm-hmm. She hides away. Yeah. Um, so though I like that she actually does have snakes in her hair. Yeah. I, I thought that too. was so funny. Like, so she pulls Ariadne in for a hug and a snake like pops out. Yeah. And um, she goes, Oh, just don't don't worry about that. It's just curious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that too. I thought it was a nice adaptation of her character. She still has this, but it's not a full head of snakes. She still has them, but it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved her character in this book, just the introduction of her. I like that. So um, when Ariadne sneaks out of Asterion's building, 
-hmm. and she's communicating with Medusa. She gives her like a car. She sets her up with all this tech stuff because Medusa recognizes how amazing Ariadne is. And she gives her these like this earbud, like this wireless headset thing. And she's like, why do I need this? And Medusa's like, I'm here for remote and emotional support. I love that. Like, yes, women supporting women. It's a good way to like, because Medusa has eyes everywhere. She can hack into anything. And so she, if there is danger, she can keep an eye on her. And, and I think that's nicer Ariadne because she's so used to working by herself not having a team to have someone who's going to support her and not hold her back, which is a problem that she runs into when she and Asterian's men and Asterian run into that building and try to like, she repeatedly says why I don't work with people. I like the relationship that the women have in this series. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would like to see more of that mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Uh, like it is nice when off relationships with women you know it's it's they have really good like strong female support for each other in this series we see that in like um with penny reed's books that's not fantasy but like it's there she writes uh, contemporary romance and the romantic stories are fantastic but the female friendships that she writes like in her knitting in the series thing in the city series are some of the like the best parts in the books yeah and i feel that way i mean actually even the like um male romances i guess in this too they're like mm-hmm. romances are great yeah, yeah. Their, their interactions between each other are just cute i guess they're like they're good healthy male relationships they're supportive and understanding and um, they still joke around but it's not they don't denigrate each other so when she gets kidnapped, right, she's being, I guess, pulled away from uh, Asteria and, like, he's bleeding really badly and she tells him that she loves him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really sweet, especially because she just, like, didn't realize what was happening and Hades kind of, like, had to push her towards that, too, to yeah. see. And she's like, oh, Hades was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be hard to come to terms with those feelings in her situation, you know, when she's been taught that everything that she loves is a weakness and made to kill the one person that she loved. So she was made to kill Leah. Like it would be hard to come to terms with having love or affection or being dependent on another person when every, every time that's happened for you in the past, it's been taken away. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then to, I mean, it's amazing that they have trust in their relationship compared to where it started. Yeah. That really takes some forgiveness. I guess. It does. Forgiveness and a lot of understanding. But I feel like they're both really good at being understanding of the other person. And this, like, they're just, there's like a lot of like good, healthy, respectful vibes in their relationship, which is nice to read about. Especially mm-hmm. considering the series that we just covered. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like night and day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. But so after she gets captured, where do they take her? They take um, her to Knossos, where Asterion was, where Hades found him mm-hmm. in the labyrinth. They're all way too low-key about her being held captive and tortured. 
like Asteria and his beast is freaking out. And I'm like, I'm on the same page as him. And everyone's like, no, we'll just keep like, they're working to figure it out. But like the only person who is adequately um, bothered by the situation is Asterian. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, Hades is like, meh. She, yeah. she's, so she's fine. He was and, trained for this. I'm like, yeah. so? <laughs> I mean, but Asterian really needed to heal because if he had gone in there yeah, without it. And then, um, so he goes and he saves her, kind of. She actually managed to save, like, get herself, like, unbound right like yeah. her hands were tied yeah. so she was able to do that and she was just kind of like walking out mm-hmm. and the Syrian shows up um yeah and she helps him take down theseus i like how anytime the triplets show up there's like a ridiculous amount like it's all like guns blazing and helicopters i mean it's like an action scene in a movie yes <laughs> yes I-, I love that too it's they just come in like you said guns blazing they're yeah like- <laughs> Um, yeah they're be so good people funny. to yeah good people to have on your side too for sure yes i would want like the guy with the helicopter and machine guns on my team mm-hmm. definitely one thing that happens in this um when Styrian goes to like pull the like a gate comes down right to trap them mm-hmm. it burns him or hurts him in some way mm-hmm. and w- they don't really explain that and it's interesting because then in the epilogue, right, we get yeah. an idea there's somebody out there making things that hurt specific, like, immortal people or, you know, mythical people. So, and that leads into one of the next books. Yeah. I love when she finally kills um, Minos. Me too. Mm-hmm. He had it coming. <laughs> He really did after, I mean, mean, what he does. So not only in like the torture, I mean, he broke Ariadne's arm. She mentions Mm -hmm. at one point when she was like 10, I think. Yeah. And he's just cruel to these kids. Yeah. And addition them and then turns them over to Madame Zira for child, child trafficking purposes. If they're not good enough to be an assassin. Mm hmm. But even if they are an assassin, then, like, they'll still have to do, you still have to most likely have sex and or oh, yeah. people that they don't no, want. No, which... still, like, grooming them. And, yeah. I mean, sort of, I guess, prostituting them. It's still grooming them so that they can seduce their targets. So, so for quotable quotes, uh, I picked, uh, I have no pockets because of the patriarchy, which I love. So this is said because um, Assyrian... So um, Ariadne is, like, storing stuff in her boobs, like, in her chest. And he says, like, is that really necessary? Do you have to put them there? And that's her response. Well, I have no pockets because of the patriarchy. Because she was wearing a dress. Yes. And I love it because it's so true. Mm -hmm. You need pockets. Women need pockets. Good pockets. Not your, not those, like, crappy, like, you can get two fingers in it. Like, women like deep pockets. Yes. Whenever I find a dress with pockets, I am so happy. Yeah. Okay. It's like the first thing you say when someone compliments you. You're like, I like your dress. And you're like, thanks. It has pockets. Like it's true. <laughs> it's true. Like it's, it's, it's a shame that pockets are so novel for us. 
women want good pockets. Mm-hmm. Fake yeah. pockets, like nothing pisses me off when I put on a pair of pants and it's got fake pockets. Like, why bother? Why it's like stitched stuck? closed or yeah. something. And all you can fit in there is like a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is useless. Why did you bought? Like, why bother? Yep. I would rather have no pockets than pretend Big pockets. pockets. Mm-hmm. Me too. Ugh. Like, even it's an insult, really. So, with jeans, um, uh, even with jeans, you know, I think women's jeans have smaller pockets too mm-hmm. than men's because, like, I can't really fit. I mean, my phone's not giant. I have the, I have a galaxy, but it's not huge and I can't get it in my jean pockets. Mm-hmm. Like half of it always sticks out and get my husband just in his pockets. I know. It goes, like men's right. pants. It's like the Mary Poppins bag. Like we're pulling a lamp and like a ottoman <laughs> and like. Yeah. And then he still gives me like stuff to hold when we go out because I have a purse. He's like, we can put this in your purse. Oh, yeah. Fine. Yeah. So that's it. Any final thoughts on this book? Um, nothing deep, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's a really good book. You know, Asterion's great. And the series itself overall is really good. So, if, um, yeah, you could read, yeah, recommend that you continue reading the series. Also, uh, I agree. I do. I really like this book. I like the series. It was a fun, I mean, it's a fun read. And if you are um, really into Greek mythology, like, like we never left the Greek mythology phase. So I love adaptations like this. It's really just, they're fun. Um, but if you like this book, it's 99 cents in the Kindle store if you haven't bought it. So it's definitely, and all of the books are really, I think I got this one in a box set. So I got four of them for like a really good price. So mm-hmm. this is your jam. She does also, and Persephone and Hermes and Selene and Medusa and Perseus. They're, they're good books. They're really fun. It's also on Kindle Unlimited. Oh okay. yeah, that's right. I forget we gifted ourselves Kindle Unlimited. So if you do that, if you're part of the KU universe, <laughs> you can get these for free. Yeah. They're great. Also, um, this author just released a new book and it came out this last week. It's called uh, The Kiss of the Blood Prince, um, which I am currently reading and Vicki read of earlier this week. So, and it's also on Kindle Unlimited. So, mm-hmm. I think all of her books are awesome. That's so nice. Mm hmm. So next week and for the following four weeks, actually, we're going to be um, reading along with Faro Fab. Um, we did an interview with the creator of it, H.R. Moore. She's very nice. Um, so we'll be releasing our interview as well. And in week one, we have picked, we're going to be covering Radiance by Grace Draven. So that will be next week. And this week we'll be... Uh, appearing on the podcast read it next with their their host Hallie so we are covering the book lore it was just released a couple of weeks ago by Alexandra Bracken so we'll be talking about that with Hallie over on the podcast read it next so if you like Greek mythology um, books that are kind of like the Hunger Games with the murdery vibe and also the anxiety and the fiction in the Greek mythology 
you should jump on over and listen to their podcast that we'll be appearing on this week should come out on Wednesday. Read it next. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.